So uh, I just wanted, I wanted to um, make sure, I, I think people know this, but just to, to get this in our idea, how precious it is that we get to hold the Word of God in our hands, and not only that, but in our own language. And why that's really standing out to me is I have, um, we have a, a, a young man who worships with us uh, from outside, of, uh, originally from outside the United States, who uh, speaks a, a, a relatively obscure language. He speaks English too, but it's like his fourth or fifth language, I think. And he speaks French, and he's got, and we were able to get him a French Bible, sort of simplified French Bible, but that's like, you know, maybe his third language. Um, and, uh, uh, and, but in his home language, the language that he grew up in, he does not have the Word of God. And I have been in, uh, sending emails to, to basic, uh, to uh, many of the ministries that are out there that, uh, that do Bible translation and said, is there anything available? And there is not a single uh, Bible out there that I can find. I mean, if, if Wycliffe uh, and, and the, uh, the, New Te- or the Testament League and, and, and uh, uh, the pocket testament folks don't know about a Bible in this man's language, then it probably doesn't exist. How blessed, we have got, I don't know how many modern translations and in, in some less modern translations in English. What a blessing it is to be able to open the word today and read it in the language that you grew up in. Uh, um, I, I just, wow, what, what a blessing it is. And may we pray that, uh, that this young man's language, it is uh, Kenya Malungi uh, is, the, is the name of the language. Um, but if, please pray that we can find either uh, that uh, sometime soon uh, or, or a, a, a related language that will be easier for him to read. But let's pray before we go uh, into the sermon. Dear Lord, uh, your words, you tell us uh, that, uh, and, we, and we, should, we should know this, your, your words are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And uh, Lord, so we, we praise you, we thank you for for giving us your word, for loving us enough uh, to, to offer us your thoughts, that we might meditate on them, uh, that we might soak them in, uh, that we might just get to know a slice of who you are, uh, that we can uh, learn uh, not only uh, uh, about who you are, but why you've called us, uh, why you sent your son uh, to live to die and to be raised again, that we might be reconciled to you. Lord, sometimes your thoughts are just so far above ours that we can't uh, even come close to understanding them. And sometimes uh, through the miracle uh, that, that only you can do, uh, you, you actually open those words up and we again get a glimpse of, of what they mean. And so may uh, what I say today uh, reflect your words. May they be yours and maybe what people hear uh, be yours, and, and may we act on them. May they dive deep into our hearts and produce fruit. I pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Um, growing up, I was known, unsurprisingly, as Patrick or Pat, and, uh, um, and when I was in trouble, like many of you probably, mom added my middle name uh, into that as well. Uh, as I grew up, uh, um, I, I got some nicknames, went through the military, got some nicknames, some titles, uh, um, uh, and then through life, uh, uh, e- even some ranks. Uh, and, uh, uh, but maybe the, the, of all these names that I, I've been called through my life, the most precious ones are the ones that I, that, that I, I get called by my, by my wife and by my kids. Uh, 
but uh, two years ago when, when I uh, uh, took on the, the, this role and people started calling me pastor, I hope I'm not, uh, I'm not killing any dreams or, or, or shattering any visions, but I did not all of a sudden become more spiritual. Uh, I, I didn't become more holy or get special powers or anything when people started calling me uh, pastor because uh, all the things that I've been called in, in my life, uh, whether it's uh, son or pat or cadet, you know, lieutenant, officer, dad, whatever, uh, even pastor, didn't change who I was. Uh, they just revealed a little bit ab about uh, who I was. And in Judaism, which is the, the religion, of course, that, that uh, our, our faith is, is founded on, names mean a lot more than just a bunch of letters that, that make some sounds that, that tell us to, you know, to respond to that. Names say something about the person. And a matter of fact, God, we see throughout the, uh, um, the Old Testament and into the New that he changes people's names to, uh, to, to reflect either who they are or, or, or even who he, uh, he is planning for them to be. So we see that Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, um, Jacob becomes Israel, and, and Peter become, or um, Simon becomes Peter. And a really cool thing is if you look into uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2, you'll see that God has a new name for us. He says that he has an, he's going to give us, uh, those who persevere, he's going to give us a name uh, that's written on stone that only he and we get to know. And that name, is, I, I believe, is, is who we are, who, who he is, has plans for us to become. God has different names that he, he reveals to us as well. And it's not because God changes. Throughout the Bible, we're going to see lots of uh, different names. He, he calls himself God Most High, the Lord My Banner, Shepherd, the Lord Who Heals, uh, the Lord Our Righteousness, the Lord Who Sanctifies You, even. And that's not to say that God changes uh, when he gives a new name. It's just that he's revealing a little bit more about who he is. Um, Jeff Cucci, Ben Cucci's uh, dad, uh, likes to say that it's not the attributes he's revealing, but it's the perfections uh, of God that he is revealing. And so we, we have started, uh, a week ago we had, uh, we had Youth Sunday, but then the week before that we started our series on the Apostles' Creed. And it started with, I believe. And this first uh, bit we're going to get into now is what we believe in, what we start to say we believe in. And it's God, the Father Almighty. And this uh, phrase reveals three aspects of who God is. And again, God's not changing. The, the book of James says there, in God there is no variation or shadow due to change. He, he doesn't change, but he does change what he reveals to us at times. And so today we're going to talk about uh, God Almighty, uh, God the Absolute, and God the Abba Father. And the first, of course, I'd like to talk about is God Almighty. And we, we sang songs today uh, about, you know, Lord God Almighty, uh, God the all-present, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, but also God Almighty as God the covenant maker, God the all-merciful. In Genesis, after the flood in the Tower of Babel, uh, we, people disperse across the earth. And uh, a man named Abraham in Genesis uh, 12 uh, is raised up. And God calls him and says, it's a man named Abram. So Genesis chapter 12, way back in the beginning of your body, of your, of your Bible. Uh, 
God calls out to him in Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So Abram and his, his, uh, his wife Sarai and his, his nephew Lot sent, set out to Canaan. And uh, uh, God promises not only to give him that land, but that he's going to give him his offspring, or to, to give him offspring. And over the next several chapters of, of, of Genesis, we see that promise uh, being fulfilled. There's a lot of history of God's faithfulness and man's sinfulness in those chapters. Uh, but through it all, God shows his faithfulness in continuing to covenant, to promise, to, to obligate himself to Abraham. But again, promising not only the land and protection, but those that his offspring will be numbered like the stars. But despite all of these, these promises, Abram and Sarai sin by trying to take it into their own hands. And that sin results in a, in a, uh, uh, a man named Ishmael. Uh, but even though they are in that sin, God remembers this covenant, this covenant promise. And, um, and so it says in Genesis 17, verses 1 and 2, he remains with him. Genesis 17, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless so that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. The name we read as God Almighty in Hebrew is El Shaddai. You may have heard songs uh, using that. The all, God Almighty, all present, all knowing, all powerful. Uh, in the passages from Isaiah 6 today, you heard, you know, I, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne and, and his, the, the, ro- or the, the, the train of his robe filled the temple. The one he, it says that he was so holy that that the, uh, the heavenly beings actually had to cover their faces as they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God Almighty is the one whose voice shakes the foundations and the thresholds of the temple. Later Isaiah will write, well, for the day of the Lord is near, the destruction of the Almighty will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble and every human heart will melt. The psalmist writes, in Psalm 68, that the Almighty scatters kings, that his chariots are twice ten thousands, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. And then he continues again in, in Psalm uh, 68, uh, verses 32 to 35. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord. Salah. To him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens, behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice, ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. This is God Almighty. In the revelation of John, John sees this sea of glass and fire and the, and the victorious hosts are singing before him. And he says, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. 
Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Throughout the Bible, whenever anybody comes into the presence of God Almighty, what we see their first response to do is to fall on their face in worship. Uh, when Going back to, to Genesis uh, chapter 17. Again, God says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make your covenant, my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God spoke to him. When we come into God's presence, when we acknowledge him as God Almighty, when we sing holy, 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 we are overcome with who he is. This all-powerful, again, all-present, all-knowing God. And we're also, uh, we come to grips with who we are not. And we, if we truly understand this God Almighty who we serve, there should be no other response than for us to fall on our face. Isaiah, again, from, from what Dan read today, says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. But, staying here in Genesis, this God Almighty, this all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God, the one whose voice shakes the, the very foundations of the temple, he says, walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you. Now, a covenant is a formal agreement, a treaty, it usually in which uh, each party takes on an obligation toward the other. God reveals himself to Abraham as God Almighty, the covenant maker. He is God Almighty who makes promises to work through his people for his glory. And because he is God Almighty, he has the power to and his covenants can be trusted. So while his power and might might make us fear God Almighty, his desire to make covenant with us should cause us to trust in him. And so though he is revealing himself as God Almighty for the first time, God's desire to walk with Abraham, to walk with mankind, is not new, right? At the very beginning of Genesis, we, we hear of, of God walking with Adam and Eve. He, he creates them to walk with him in the garden, uh, th throughout, we, we, we see him desiring to walk with people, to be with us, to be the, the God, God Almighty, and yet still want to be with us, to have us in, commun uh, in communion. Matter of fact, all the, the way th uh, through this, we, we see um, that he calls for Noah to, to walk with him and be blameless so he can make a covenant with him. And then all the way to the, the New Testament, at the end of the New Testament, or towards the end, in Micah 6, 8. Right? It says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so even though we continued to rebel and refused to walk blamelessly before Him, God Almighty is God the covenant maker. And though we break our promises, God will never 
break his promises. And so his desire to make these covenants, these unbreakable, on his part, covenants with mankind shows that he is not only God Almighty, the one to be feared, but God Almighty, the all-merciful, and God Almighty, the covenant maker. Knowing that God remains faithful to his covenants despite our unfaithfulness ought to drive us to humility. And if it doesn't, we are headed for trouble. Last Sunday, Josh Newhook said, uh, if you won't humble yourself before the Lord Almighty, he will humble you. And this book, the Bible, is full of examples of God doing exactly that. If we truly believe that we are called to serve, to walk with the Lord Almighty, we will humble ourselves before him. We'll humble ourselves by searching what he has to say to us. And so, like Abraham was able to talk directly with God right, and find out what, what God wanted for him, we're able to do that too, and we have the scriptures to do that. If we believe that we serve God Almighty, we will immerse ourselves in these. We'll cry out for them. We'll treat them as, as more precious than gold or silver. Like I said from, from, uh, from the Psalms earlier, uh, that, that we'll see them as, as sweeter than honey, honey from the comb. We'll see them as full of authority, right? breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And if we believe that we serve God Almighty, we will humbly come before the King of Kings and able to, to enter into his, premise, into his presence only on the count of his steadfast love so that we can bow down towards his temple in fear, but also we can serve him, rejoicing, it says in, 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 in Psalms, rejoicing with trembling ever singing for joy, resting in his protection, and exulting in his name. That's how we come before the God Almighty in prayer. And if we believe that we are called to walk with God Almighty, then we ought to also walk with him in witness, right? Devoting ourselves to teaching and to fellowship, uh, sorry, to, to breaking the bread together, to praying together, being in awe of who he is together, his wonders and his works, serving together, worshiping together, acting freely and, and giving, uh, praising God together, going out together and witnessing, proclaiming who he is and proclaiming the gospel, making disciples of all nations and being witnesses to all nations. These are the proper responses of people who are called to walk with God Almighty, to walk with him and be blameless. In light of this, what might be that step of faith that you're being called to uh, th this week, to walk humbly before the God Almighty? We can take these steps of faith because God himself, as the, it, as the God Almighty, the covenant maker, also reveals himself as God the absolute, who is the covenant keeper. Webster defines absolute as free from imperfection, perfect, having no restriction, exception, or qualification, unquestionable. Praise God that God is absolute, perfect, unrestricted, unquestionable, and incomparable. In the Apostles' Creed, we say we believe in God, not I believe in a God, 
or I believe in this God, or I believe in that God. No, we believe in the God, a God who is absolute. And therefore, because he, he reveals different parts of his nature through, through different names that he uses, he doesn't need a qualification or comparison because there is no qualification or comparison to the God Almighty, the God, the absolute, who we, who we walk with and serve. This characteristic of his absoluteness is, is uh, evident in, uh, in Exodus 3. So moving it forward from Genesis just a little bit further. To, to uh, go through the first books of Exodus really quickly, the first couple chapters, Moses is rescued by God um, as, as a baby. He's raised up in Pharaoh's household. Uh, and then as, when he becomes uh, a man, he uh, is walking out, he sees a, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, and he kills the Egyptian. And Pharaoh finds out about this and wants to kill Moses. So Moses flees to Midian, and he finds the priest of Midian there. He stays there, uh, meets his daughter uh, there. And then uh, while he is out uh, working for, uh, for his father-in-law, he comes to the burning bush. And God speaks out to him from the burning bush and gives him the mission to go and, and rescue his people, to, to speak to Pharaoh and to bring God, or to, to bring God's people out of Egypt to worship him in freedom. And so in Genesis 3, verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Now let's think in, about the implications of this question. God's already told Moses, I am the God of Abraham, of your fathers, of Abraham uh, and of Isaac and of Jacob. So he's already told Moses who he is, but Moses doesn't know who he is. Now, this might make sense. Uh, Moses, again, was raised in Pharaoh's household, not in the nation of Israel. Uh, but he has been staying with the priest of Midian. We believe a God-fearing uh, priest of Midian, but still, he doesn't know who God is. But what's more is he's pretty sure that the Israelites... Uh, don't know who God is, even though they say, he says, you know, the God of your, of your fathers, of, of the patriarchs. So God says, I'll tell you who I am. Verse 14, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent you. God said to Moses, Say to this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Who are you, Moses asks? I am. In, in Hebrew, it's ehyeh. A breathy sound. Imagine what it sounded like. So Moses is standing before this burning bush or, or prostrate before this, this, uh, this burning bush. And, and this, this voice is thundering out. Again, remember the voice of God thunders. It, it shakes the foundations. And, and this, this voice comes out and it goes, eh, yeah, this breathy sound. This is God, the absolute, the one, incomparable, unrestrainable, unquestionable, inconceivable God. He doesn't say to Moses, I have become. He doesn't say, I am becoming. He says, I am. Am. And then he reveals to Moses the name by which he is to be remembered throughout all generations. 
Your English Bible probably translates it as the Lord. Uh, it may say Jehovah, it may say Yahweh. In the Hebrew, it's four consonants that, that roughly correspond to Y-H-W-H. Again, these breathy, breathy sounds. It, uh, we call it, in, in, or in theologians call it the tetragrammaton, which literally means the four letters. Again, that, they're the, these breathy sounds, the yah, the whoo. Right? The, the, those sounds, and we don't really know how it was pronounced because the, the people of Israel thought it was so holy that they refused to pronounce it. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even write it. In, in, the, old, uh, uh, in the old scrolls, the original ones, it was often just uh, abbreviated with a couple consonants. So we don't know. Again, we, you may see it as Yahweh. You may see it as Jehovah or, or uh, Yehovah. Um, in the, uh, in the ancient text, though, when, when uh, the Jews would read this, regardless of how it was, uh, how, however it was contracted, uh, the way that they, they would, and, and even to this day, uh, speak of this name would be Hashem, which means the name, or Adonai, which means Lord. And so you probably, again, in your Bibles, it says Lord. So anytime you see in those translations where it's Lord in all capital letters, that is the name. Uh, that, that's being referred to, the name by which God says he is to be remembered for all generations. And while we may not know exactly what this name means or even how to pronounce it, uh, we do know that God wishes to reveal something about himself through this. In fact, if we move forward just a page or two to, to Exodus chapter 6, we'll see that he indeed is intending to reveal more about himself here, it, it says in Exodus uh, chapter 6, verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Okay, hold the phone here. I just realized I didn't release the kids if, if they needed to go. <laughs> Sorry. I think they got a, their idea. Um, is God saying that they didn't know the name, the four consonants, Yahweh? Because he says, I, I didn't reveal by that, by that name. That's abs absolutely not. Actually, if we go backwards through uh, the Bible up to this point, we are going to see that the, the, you'll see many times, Lord, all capitalized in your Bible, that name is being used, right? In Genesis 2, Lord, the Lord God uh, plants the garden, uh, their children of, of Adam and Eve call upon the name of the Lord. Noah says, blessed be the Lord. When God provides a ram as, as, a, uh, as a substitute, a sacrifice in place of Isaac, Abraham sa says, uh, this place will be called the Lord will provide. His servant prays, upon the Lord, or prays to the Lord. Rebekah praises the Lord, Isaac calls upon the name of the Lord, and Jacob has a vision in which God says, I am the Lord. But while the patriarchs and the, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob knew of the Lord, they even prayed to the Lord, they praised the Lord and met the Lord, God says he had not made himself known to them by that name. Instead, he had previously revealed himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, the covenant maker. One theologian I read this week said, uh, Exodus 6.3 suggests that El Shaddai is a partial representation. Yahweh, a more complete representation of the same 
God. And so while God revealed himself to the patriarchs as God Almighty, the covenant maker, with Moses, he reveals himself as Lord, Hashem, Adonai, Yahweh, the covenant keeper, or even the immediate provider. God reveals himself as El Shaddai, making covenantal, covenantal promises, and then he later reveals himself as the Lord God, who is the covenant keeper, keeping covenant promises. Again, he's not revealing a new identity. He's just revealing who he is a little bit more. Fulfillment of the promises he made. And so, beloved, if we are called to walk humbly with God Almighty, the, the one who is above all things and in all ways, and God the absolute, the one, the only, incomparable, unrestrainable, inconceivable God, do we treat it him that way, or do we just treat him like many gods, ones to whom we can turn to, to search for help for, for a, a certain problem? And then the rest of the time, he just goes back up on the shelves while we worship the gods of our passions, our pursuits, and our other idols. If that's the case, this is what Jesus said. Right? No one can serve two masters, for the, either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and you cannot serve God and power. You cannot serve God and sex. You cannot serve God and possessions. You cannot serve God in relationships. So consider this day what, what step of faith God might be calling you to take to, to answer the challenge of Joshua, right, who said, choose this day whom you will serve. Because if you indeed choose, as Joshua did, to serve the Lord, Hashem, Adonai, then and only then will you be able to enjoy the next name by which God reveals himself. Because God the Almighty, the covenant maker, God the absolute, the covenant keeper, is also God the Abba Father who makes and keeps the new covenant through his son. Now, you may have heard that all religions are essentially the same, that they teach the thing, and that is untrue, because there are, there are religions that teach a, a God who looks like God Almighty. And there are, are uh, people who, who uh, a, a smaller group of, of religions, who, who worship a singular, absolute God. But there is only one which, there is only one who, who, who says in the Bible here that he is God Almighty, that he is absolute, God absolute, the only one, but, but that he is also God, our Father. We see this throughout the Old Testament. He starts when he's ta um, talking about Pharaoh, and he, and he calls uh, Israel uh, that, that he is the father of that, uh, of that um, uh, nation, they're his firstborn son in Exodus 4. But then he also, starting in Deuteronomy, starts to use this, this term explicitly. He says, do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? But while God calls himself the father all the way through the Old Testament, it's not until you get into the New Testament that he is called by a more familiar, a more intimate name. God is referred to as Abba, an Aramaic term uh, related to, to Hebrew, which is, is like, like Pastor Barry likes to, to pray, right? Dad, right? This, this, intimate, uh, this intimate notion of who 
God is. Jesus starts uh, by, by praying to God using this address. He's in the garden, and he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, but not what I will, but what you will. This is understandable. We know that God sent Jesus Christ into the world as his one and only son, John 3.16. And while he became fully human, the the, the word made flesh, which is John 1.14, he also remained fully divine. In Titus 2, Paul calls him our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so while he fully embraced his humanity, he never relinquished his divinity as God the Son. And when we talk about intimacy, right, there simply is no more intimate relationship than that of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three natures. And so it makes perfect sense that Jesus calls out intimately, says, Abba, Father. But what's truly incredible, what makes our religion unique is that through Christ's obedience, even to the cross, and his resurrection to life, that those of us who have accepted him as our Lord and Savior are given the same status of, as a child of the Almighty, absolute God, so that we too can have this intimate relationship with God the Father through God the Son and the power of God the Spirit so that we too can cry out to him in the same manner as did Jesus. And so if we go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 15. says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit, capital spirit, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God children of God adopted through the power and witness of God the Spirit because of the sacrifice of God the Son so that we as children of God can cry out, Abba, Father. We hear the Trinitarian uh, formula again if you move forward a little bit to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God, for, uh, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is the privilege that John is talking about in his gospel, when he says, all who did receive him, To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. What a privilege, what what a a unique privilege outside outside of any name other than Christ Jesus to be called a child of God, to to be able to enter into the presence of God Almighty, to call upon the ultimate I am, and to do so with the assurance that can only come in the intimacy of knowing him as your Abba Father to accept this covenant that he has made through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that you can become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Are you able 
to do that? Are you a child of God? Have you fallen on your face before God Almighty and confessed, woe is me, I am lost? Have you ceased your striving to somehow achieve righteousness by your own power before the only one who is able to make people righteous? Have you accepted that it is only through confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and believing in his resurrection that you may be saved? If not, why not? What's holding you back from that step of faith? How can we introduce you to the one true God, God Almighty, God at the Absolute, God Yabba Father? How can we help you to accept that the only way to the Father, our great God and Savior, is through Jesus Christ? So that through the indwelling of God and His Holy Spirit, you may have life and have it abundantly. And if you are indeed a child of God, what step, what step of faith is God calling you to do to walk humbly with him, to, take, uh, to, to live out the faith that he has called you toward, to live out your created purpose in Christ Jesus by walking in the good works that God has prepared beforehand? How are you being called to trust in the covenantal promises of God Almighty? How are you being called to proclaim the name of the great I am? And how are you being called to walk humbly and intimately with your Abba Father? Let's pray, and then we're going to uh, come to the Lord's table of communion.